0: to try to preach with this on at least maybe it's uh, good news maybe not but our passage um, today oh before uh, our passage I do want to remind you at the, uh, the front of the bulletin uh, you can go online you can connect if you're visiting with us uh, today Um, You can chpc.org.connect, love for you to share your information with us there. Um, uh, You can also download the app for the church, which helps to give all the information, announcements, and um, other items, uh, ways to RSVP for the church. Once you download the app, makes all that really simple. Um, And also, if you have any prayer requests, um, uh, you can go to chpc.org slash prayer. Again, you can do that on the app. And then also to give. As we respond to God's generosity to us, we want to be generous back to God. And we do that by giving. uh, By giving of our resources uh, to God through the work of the the church here and around the world. So uh, be sure to to note all of those ways of connecting. So we're trying to do all that we can in touchless um, ways. Um, but, uh, so now, our passage today, as we've been working through, um, just started last Sunday, a uh, new series called Essential. Um, as we've been relearning what essential is during 2020, uh, Jesus presents to us a number of things that are essential in the last week of his life, from Matthew 21 to Matthew 25. Um, these are the, the times between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, between... The time that he enters in Jerusalem and then to the time that he's hanging crucified on the tree. So figure Matthew's going to put in this last week of Jesus' life, these really last five days, what is essential for us to hear from Jesus. So today we'll be looking at, at hunger. Um, not just hunger for food, but also hunger as that metaphor for all of our deepest longings because it motivates us to do some really crazy things. Sometimes those deep longings, those hungers, I, I hearkened back to a day long ago when I think I was 12 or 13 years old and my brother Preston would have been about eight or nine and we had a collection of coupons uh, to a local restaurant called McDonald's and we lived about a mile and a half away from that. Restaurant, and so we said we 're going to go get dinner and at thirteen and nine, we had no means of commu- of, of transportation except to walk there, so we were hungry for mcdonald 's, so we made the three mile round trip walked all the way there to get our processed food, sugar, salt, fat, and uh, whatever else was in there, and carried and the drinks, the whole bit, and then carried them back. And those, you know, the little old uh, cartons that they used to have, those little white uh, uh, paper cartons, we walked all the way back home uh, with that as well because we had a hunger for McDonald's. Now, it was it was a large hunger. It was a poor hunger, uh, but it was a large one uh, that we had. But that illustrates as well the hungers that we have in our lives. And that was a poor hunger. Hungers can be good. They're necessary. They're part of what God has created us to have. Hungers and longings and needs. And so we'll take a look at this passage that'll uh, show us a little bit about God's hunger. And as well show us about our hunger as humans also. It's uh, Matthew 21 starting with verse 18 Um, and the the story of Jesus when he curses the fig tree. Uh, It'll be on your screen for you as well. Let's pray. Almighty God thank you again for your written word now speak to us of your truth and may your spirit work in us so that we are hearing and Um, we are receiving and then we are doing so that we might be fruitful. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. This is Jesus. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. or from man. And they discussed it among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right, so the first thing we see in this passage is that Jesus was hungry. We can all relate. We've all had hunger that uh, means we need to go eat. But I don't think Matthew has that in here just to tell us that Jesus hadn't eaten breakfast. I think Matthew has this in here really as the guiding word through what we just read. Uh, because, uh, one, certainly Jesus is fully human. So he hungers just like we do for breakfast, for food. But I think it's a larger metaphorical picture of what God hungers for in his church. He's, he's demonstrating as God, um, the Son, as God in the flesh, fully God and fully human, demonstrating God's hunger. Uh, Jesus um Passing by the fig tree, sees no fruit, nothing but leaves, and then says, may no fig ever come from you again, and then it withers. does seem like overkill, literally. I mean, why would Jesus curse the tree? Why not just walk by it and find one that has fruit? Or, remember, this is the guy that turned water into wine, he took a sack lunch and had a, made a feast out of it, why, why not just say, okay, fig tree, let's mature you on instantly. But he didn't. He didn't do any of that. And then he cursed it so that it withers. This, I believe, is demonstrating God's hunger for God's people to be obedient to him. To be fully devoted to him. Uh, Throughout the scriptures, uh, and also in other sections of Matthew, um, it's regular, the the, the prophets would use this kind of metaphor and call God's people, um, they'd call them, you're like a tree or you're like a vine. And when you are fruitful, then that is a sign that you are obeying me. When you are fruitless, that is a sign that you are disobeying me. And then the, the judgment of God comes upon his people and Jesus is demonstrating that judgment to Israel in that day, to to God's people, to the church in that day. He's demonstrating that judgment. You're like a fig tree. It's supposed to be bearing fruit, but it's not. You're supposed to be producing people who follow me, who obey me, who are fully devoted to me, who demonstrate my love to the world in the beginning part of Matthew John the Baptist basically says that it, it, back in chapter 3 verse 10 he, he says uh, as he's speaking to the crowds you know show the fruit of obedience he says this bear uh, every tree and then he says bear every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire the God's people are to produce people fully devoted to Jesus. Those who believe, trust, and follow him. Jesus says, uh, Matthew has Jesus saying that very similar things in the beginning of Matthew and the end of Matthew. Matthew 7. If you recall when Jesus says, "The, the, the, the the one who's a good builder, builds his house on the rock, is the one who hears my word and obeys it. At the end of the gospel, in Jesus' final words there, what we call the Great Commission. What does he say? Go make disciples. You make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That is what a disciple is. The church is to be producing people that obey Jesus. And when they don't, then that is the curse of Jesus, The judgment of God on the church, you're, you're a fig tree supposed to be producing figs. This is what we're to be producing, as a people. This is what God hungers for in us—those who believe, trust, and follow Jesus—and produce others who believe, trust, and follow Jesus. Now so we know what God hungers for. Let's consider now, what are the disciples hungering for? What is, what is this rest of this story then? Uh, what, this event, what, what does it tell us about the disciples? Notice how they respond. They respond to, to Jesus, um, uh, cursing the fig tree. And they then, uh, respond to him by being marveled, marveling at him. Wow. Yeah. How did this fig tree weather, wither? How how did this just shrivel up like that? What they're really asking is Jesus, how did you do that? And can you tell me? Can you tell us? I mean, Jesus heard them ask that question. That's because did you notice his response? He said, Ah, oh, yeah, if you think that's something, let me tell you. If you want to do that. Just have to have fully undivided faith. Faith without doubt. And you'll tell this mountain to move. And it will move. They, they, they were not asking for uh, a lesson in botany or anything like that, how the tree shriveled. They wanted that power for themselves. They wanted to be, have access to God's power. Sort of like Jesus is a magician. You know, what are the magic words here? You know, what? how do I need to stand? What, what, what do I need to, to do? They were, they were hungry for, for that kind of capability. And Jesus tells them, what you need then is faith without doubt. If you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Now, you might hear that if you're from the disciples standpoint. what hes You you might hear that instruction as I just need to conjure up enough faith. If I just conjure up enough faith and I can get done what I want to get done. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying is if we fully trust in God, you know, that, that do not doubt, have faith, but no doubt. The word, word doubt is most often used as undivided. That it's, it's not divided into anything. It is whole and complete. So un- unwavering. We're complete, total, full trust in God means that we relinquish our power, our decisions, our desires, our hungers to God. Sort of like our whole selves, it's sort of like taking this stool here. You know, to have total and complete faith. If I got a little bit of faith, I'll do this on the stool. The total and complete faith means I'm going to believe this thing holds me up. And if it doesn't, I'm in trouble. This is the kind of faith that God says. That's what Jesus is saying. You go and you have this kind of faith in God. You relinquish everything you have to God and truly totally trust in Him. Then God's power will align with those desires that are in line with His. And you'll have God's power to do the very thing that God hungers for. Because you fully trusted, you've fully committed your hungers, your desires, to God's hungers. Now, the minute I start living on my hunger, my desire, I get off the stool, well, then God's power is no longer accessible to me. God's power is accessible when I am fully aligned with His hunger and desire. That's what Jesus is saying. It's really a call to relationship. A call to a relationship of submission to God, of abiding in God fully. Undivided trust in God. Now, and, and when we do that, when we as we continue to, to fully submit and align our, ourselves with God, what happens th- then is that our hungers begin to change. Our desires begin to be reordered. And we even start to hunger for the things that Jesus hungers for. It's like what uh, um, Augustine said, a Christian a long, long time ago in a little city called Hippo in northern Africa. And he basically said, love God with everything you got and then do what you want. Love God with everything you got and then do what you want. Maybe you can relate to these disciples. Maybe you can relate to those hungers. You, know, you, you want that power, you want that influence, you, you want to change some things. You, you, you could be hearing online right now, and um, or actually when it's played in a little bit, uh, you could be hearing this now and, and saying, Yeah, I got some hungers, but and you, you you are not a follower of Jesus. But but you can relate to those hungers are, and yeah, you want God's power for that hunger too. Or it could be that, that you've been walking with God for as long as you can remember. E- either way, the charge is, come, bring those hungers to God. Bring those desires, those longings. Bring them to God. And, and when you do, it doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. You'll get something better. You, you'll get what God wants. Because you totally trusted and God, you've totally aligned yourself with God's desires. And that's a whole lot better than getting what you want. Jesus is a great example. Just a few days from this passage, when Jesus says this, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, seeing the cross ahead of him. And he's praying. He's sitting in this, on the stool. He's trying to be fully in alignment with the desires and hungers of the Father. And he, what he wants, is not to go to the cross. He doesn't want the suffering. Take this cup from me. Yet, sitting on the stool, fully submitting to the way of God, he demonstrates for us what that means. But not my will be done. Your will be done. He illustrates for us what it means to truly trust and depend Upon God. Now, some others of you may be uh, having a little hard time identifying with this deep hunger, this deep desire. And who wants to walk three miles just to eat a Big Mac? But you might be saying, "You know, I don't hunger necessarily for anything. I I I can't relate to, to that desire." And a little warning: that may be more dangerous than having many hungers. Is having none or not really relating to them. Because what that might mean is that you want nothing to change. You, you, you sort of hunger for everything just to be nice and easy and, you know, tranquil. Just sort of keep them the same. But Jesus will never hunger for no change. Jesus will never hunger for the status quo until he returns and makes all things right. But until then, Jesus will have a biting hunger, a deep longing to continue to make changes in us, in our world. Because we we still live in a place where the evil one is still at work. We still live in a place where the world is is broken. The the principalities and powers around us, the, the systems in place, oppose the work of God. And we still live in sinful situations and in a sinful body with sin within us. Now all that is still present within us. So Jesus will always hunger for change. You see, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they wanted things to stay the same too. They didn't want change. So their their focus was not how can I have the power of Jesus, but how can I keep my power? How can I keep my position? I mean, it's blatant with them. They, They want to keep popularity and position in this life. So much so, they were blinded by what God was doing in their midst. So you see what uh, they 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 do. They they're like, well, when Jesus does this, and uh, who, whose authority are you coming to do this in? who's whose authority? And Jesus has great insight. They don't really want to know. They're trying to trick him. And so he and that's a, a key thing here. Jesus knows what the disciples' real hunger is. He knows what the religious leaders' real hunger is, and he knows what mine is and yours is. And so one of the great things that happens when we come to Jesus with and we come in our own ways trying to fool Je- God, I want this for your glory. He sees right through that. Yeah, he knows us better than we know ourselves. And in his love, he's going to reveal to us, no, these are really what you want. Why don't you give that to me? And let me lead you in the right way, the right desire, the right hunger. Let me reorder your desires. And Jesus knows what they want is popularity and power. That's why he asked them, so what was going on with John the Baptist? And, and they know that if he asked them a great question to reveal their hunger. If John, if they say John the Baptist is of God, then what happens? They lose some of their power with the people because they're saying John the Baptist is equal to us. And if they say, well, no, John the Baptist was not of God. Well, then they lose their popularity because they know the people love John the Baptist. So we have to be careful if we just sort of want things to stay the, the, the same because it's just sort of the easy way. We may be, not always, but we may be opposing Jesus in our midst. So here's what's essential here. In both cases, all cases, it, to, in order to have our hungers satisfied, we got to submit our hungers totally to Jesus. There's some hungers that we have that God will say, yeah, that's right in the line. Here's the power to meet that hunger. Go for it. There's other hungers, other times when God will use that time to reveal our hungers to ourselves. And then there's other hungers that God, that Jesus will just cause to wither, like the fig tree. Those are fruitless hungers. They will never be satisfied. But here's the good news. The good news, even if Jesus curses It causes to wither our hunger because they're all evil. They're selfish. They're out of alignment with the the power and beauty and justice of God. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who becomes the curse for us. Even in our broken hungers, even in our disordered longings, Jesus is the one Who hangs on a tree to become the curse for us. Jesus is the one who totally fulfills the hunger of God the Father for righteous judgment. He takes it on himself. And in so doing, he cleanses us. He changes us. He reveals our own disordered desires misplace hunger and in the power of the spirit he will in our lives on our journey with him will reorder them and make them good and beautiful just and loving he became a curse so that, that we might be a blessing to those around us and to our world so whether today is the first day you seek to believe trust and follow Jesus or the thousand and first day that you've been seeking to follow Jesus may this be our prayer this week may this be our prayer uh, discipline this week identify, come come to God loaded with what are your wants, what are your desires, what are your longings, honestly, fully you know, uh, sit on the stool this is what I'm longing for, best I know just give them to them, take five minutes, write them down and then take another five minutes and just listen for a moment and, and ask God, what do you hunger for, God? What What do you hunger for in me? What, what do you hunger for in, in our family or our community or city or church or neighborhood or workplace? What do you hunger for? Bring your hungers to God and let God's power do the work in us and through us what freedom that may be what beauty that might be don't try to hide the hungers don't try to suppress them don't try to make them better just give them to him he's already died for us he'll take those and he'll continue to reorder our very lives for him and let's see what god might do Amen.